Welcome to episode 11 of State Champs Ohio Extra Point. Hope everybody stayed dry on your Halloween and, and stayed dry during all those high school football games. We'll talk about that in our interview here today. There was quite the amount of weather throughout the Midwest as the temperature kind of shifts to the negative side of things, but hopefully it'll stay good enough as we continue to carry along in the OHSAA playoffs as well. I want to remind you that this program is presented by Lawrence Technological University. Lawrence Tech wants you to recruit yourself. Just go to LTUAthletics.com, click the Recruit Yourself link. Academic and athletic scholarships are available in over two dozen varsity sports, including football. Glad to have Mason Lowry, the lead play-by-play announcer of the BCSN Game of the Week down in the Toledo area. Mason, how are you? Jeremy, my friend, I'm well. How are you? Doing well. Getting ready for another week of uh, high school football across the gauntlet. You know, weather was a, a big factor for some, especially Friday in you know, the Midwest in general, I would think. Yeah, it, it was a bad week to be a team that likes to throw the football a lot. <laughs> Um, I, I can say the game that, that I was at, um, I saw Anthony Wayne against Cleveland Rhodes, which was the 8-9 matchup in Region 6. Um, Anthony Wayne, one of the very few uh, venues in the Toledo area, at least in, in BCSN's footprint and the places that I'm really familiar with, that still has a natural grass field. Um, most venues have moved to artificial turf. Um, Anthony Wayne still has natural grass. And I was waiting for a phone call or a text or an email from my bosses all week last week yeah, there's no way they're playing at home. They've rented out another school to play there. Actually, Anthony, Anthony Wayne's field had flooded uh, a few weeks earlier, and they had to move a game on very short notice. Um, in the end, they were able to get it spruced up enough to play, but by the end of the first quarter, between the hash marks from like 30 to 30 was unplayable. I mean, Cleveland Rhodes came wearing white, and I feel for them because – Pretty quickly, it was like, we can't read any numbers anymore. <laughs> and uh, so, so that was a pain. It was a pain for anybody to get their footing if they were playing on natural grass. We would see people just slip and fall, like receivers trying to come in motion and stuff like that. It was teams that are built to play ugly football. That was right in their wheelhouse last week. But if you want to do anything too elaborate, then uh, yeah, not good. Not good well, at that, all. That sounds kind of what I had last week as well. I was calling a game. Um, pretty close to the field, so already kind of hard to see things develop. But this oh, particular yeah. press box, the windows were frosted because of the temperature. There was rain all over them. I mean, I, I could have wiped them off, but it was just continually raining. So it was like, well, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I did better wifi it. I didn't see an interception until afterwards, so that was that was a career highlight. But you know, <laughs> what are you gonna do? So the person listening that moment thought I was yeah. probably an awful play-by-play announcer, but. I guess that's what you have to work with in conditions like that, certainly on the high school field. But I guess and as we you stick... just know that somebody had never seen or heard you before and won't see or hear you again, and they caught that five minutes and they formed a whole opinion about you based on that. Probably some Division One college somewhere or something or some, some pro football team. Hopefully not, but... Well, we were going to hire it, but now... <laughs> I guess as we kind of look back, we've heard so much about the OHSA adding the second round um, to the playoffs and, you know, coaches liked it, coaches didn't like it. I'm sure you've talked to a lot. So I guess first off, a couple of questions on this front, but your overall thoughts on what coaches have thought, I guess, when you've talked to them about it. I think generally speaking, what I've heard from coaches is that they had voted um, amongst themselves that if they were going to expand the playoffs, okay, let's expand the regions from eight to 12 and give seeds one through four a buy in week 11. Um, that seemed to make everybody happy. 
Um, I, based on people I've talked to, I think I am kind of unique in that I like the 16-team playoff regions um, for reasons that have not a whole lot to do with the fact that it makes for more exciting football in Week 11. Um, for one thing, it, it's really difficult for really good programs to schedule out a conference when there's only eight teams in a region that get in. Um, I talked to uh, Tom Lombardo, who is the head coach at Lakewood St. Ed's over around Cleveland, one of the premier Ohio high school football programs, and I asked him his thoughts on expanded regions, and he said, it should be easier for us to schedule weeks two and three now. Um, it has been so hard because nobody wants to take that essentially automatic L when a loss to St. Ed's might keep you out of the playoffs. Now, with a lot more wiggle room, I'm thinking we should see better non-conference games because people won't be afraid to schedule tough early on because you're still going to get into the playoffs. Um, and I think, too, there are a couple of underserved areas in high school football in the state of Ohio, and it's rural areas and the inner cities. Um, I thought it was so cool. My wife teaches in Toledo Public Schools. Um, she specifically teaches at Wade High School in the east side, a high school football power literally a century ago. In the 1920s, they were one of the premier uh, nationally high school football programs. Um, but in the era of the playoffs, had never been in the postseason. Um, Toledo Scott in Toledo's Old West End, they hadn't been in the postseason for 50 years. And Toledo Start had only been in once a few years ago. Um, Cleveland Senate League, if anybody knows anything about um, Cleveland public school football, you probably are familiar with Glenville, um, Ted Ginn Sr., who has formed a dynasty in the Senate League over there, but Rhodes got in for the first time and Cleveland John Hay got in. And I can't help but think that even if these teams don't win in the first round, having a Week 11 is such a cool experience for them, um, it might make it easier next year for them to sustain the program. You might have three or four kids that are just roaming the halls that hadn't thought about playing football before, but now we're going to go out and, and learn a new skill and pick up a new activity. Um, and it's the same. There are countless small towns around the state of Ohio that have never had a chance to experience playoff football until last week. And you can argue that a four and six or a three and seven team getting into the playoffs. I've heard this a lot. It makes it less special. Um, and that's up for debate. I think it's a pretty darn special thing for those small towns, for those inner city schools, and for those kids. In 20 years when they have children of their own, or whenever they might have children of their own, um, yeah, they're not going to remember that they were a 14 seed and lost by 60 to a state-ranked football team. They'll remember that time, Wade High School, Scott High School, wherever, we got to the playoffs. And that's what they're going to remember. So um, I feel like sometimes we focus too much on winning and losing in high school sports, and that might seem kind of antithetical because we're both play-by-play -play announcers and we make <laughs> a living based on high school teams winning and losing, and that's the end goal of it. But character development and learning a skill and camaraderie and brother and sisterhood and all that, that's all more important. And so if these places that haven't gotten to experience the playoffs before now get the chance to, then I'm very much in favor of it. And, you know, you talk, certainly we saw those 60 to nothing or 60 to five scores or whatever they may be from some of those matches. But at the same time, and I have a, a matchup I want to talk about a little bit later as well. There were some upsets, you know, a five beat yeah. or a 12 beat a five and, and vice versa. There was a 16 seed that beat a one seed. And that was actually not that far from where I grew up. Milan Edison, <laughs> the Chargers uh, just south of Sandusky, went on the road and beat 
uh, the Bellevue uh, Big Red um, down in, I think, the eastern tip of Sandusky County, I think is where Bellevue is. Um, and, and that's really cool. That, um, you know, not to get too far off topic, but um, the city of Milan, if you remember um, the terrorist attack in Afghanistan that killed some servicemen not that long ago, one of them was a former Edison Charger football player from three, four years ago. And it's been a real tough time for that community. And, you know, they had his funeral service in the football stadium. He's very much intertwined with that. So here is from something so desperately sad and horrifying to have something really cool happen for that for that community. That's awesome. And that's an upset that doesn't happen in 2019, the last time everything was normal. So I, I'm I'm happy with the 1v16 thing. I, I don't mind that. And people look at, there's a city in, uh, a school in Cincinnati that was winless and got into the postseason. It's like, well, in every other sport in the state of Ohio, winless athletes and winless teams get in because everybody gets in. So mm-hmm. I, it's not that, it's not that foreign. But um, but yeah, I think I think there were enough upsets around the state, and I know there's a couple that we'll uh, get into specifically. Hopefully, there were enough upsets to satiate people that still aren't too thrilled <laughs> with the expanded playoff. I guess everybody's still not going to be thrilled with anything, any change, right, for something that's been that long. <laughs> right. But I, I, I think it's interesting, and you're seeing it in other, other states as well, and it's starting to open eyes. So it'll be interesting to see where things go in the next four or five years. But before we dive into some of the matchups that we saw last week, some of the matchups we're going to see this week as well, I want to get to some specific players first off. A guy we kind of talked about off air sure. is a guy that's really fun, Ryan Montgomery. You know, they weren't necessarily going to slate him as a starter coming into this year, but they knew his talent, and boy, has he, you know, been everything that they would hope he would be, I guess. Yeah, Ryan down at Finley, he doesn't look like a freshman and he doesn't carry himself like a freshman. Here's a big kid at six foot three who is playing quarterback at a, in a really big public high school. Um, he didn't take over quarterback until week three. They used Max Roth as their starting quarterback the first couple of weeks. And for whatever reason, the offense was having kind of a tough time getting going. And I, I think it's I think it's natural when you're a head football coach and you have a really talented freshman, you want to keep him out of the firing line for as long as you can. And I think that's that was probably Stefan Adams' M.O. coming into the year was let's not have this all be too much too soon. It, it can be harmful to a 14-year-old or 15-year-old when you throw him in before he's ready, even if he is extremely talented, even if he is somebody that's gotten a ton of hype and attention, it, it can damage a kid long-term if you throw too much at him. Um, he proved pretty quickly that he was more than up for this. Um, here's a kid that's not afraid to run, which is one of the most impressive things to me, uh, you know, when you are that age, even if you are that big, um, nobody wants to get hit real hard. And he, um, you know, you if, if you run design quarterback runs, you put yourselves in positions to get hurt. He carries himself really well. I like the way he runs. Um, I, I think of like Denard Robinson back in the day. And he doesn't run like Denard, but Denard put himself in positions to get hurt, if you mm-hmm. remember, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, and that happened often enough. Ryan Montgomery doesn't do that. Really big arm. Reads the game really well, is really well-spoken, clearly is a leader already, which is, again, it's a difficult thing to be when you're as young as he is, but he's got everybody's respect. He's got he's got all the talent in the world. I mean, Ohio State offered him last week. Mm-hmm. Before the uh, Ohio game, State yeah. Offer, Ohio State doesn't offer 14-year-old quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> and, and him and his big brother, Luke, who is, uh, 
I don't remember the last time there was a kid in Northwest Ohio that got an offer from Alabama to give you an idea of what he's like as a prospect. Those are two really special kids, really nice young men. Uh, they carry themselves well. They do everything right. I'm I'm a big fan of those two. And sticking with Finley for a second, Ben Arland, another guy who has some uh, major speed on their team as well. What do you like about him? Uh, well, you said it. He, he's a he's a speedster. He's the fastest guy in Northwest Ohio for sure. And somebody that I think has been under recruited a little bit. And I'm not I'm not entirely sure why. He's got good size. He's six feet tall. He, he's a four four forty guy with really good hands. Um, he's he might be a victim of the transfer portal, to be honest with you. He might be one of those guys that five years ago would be getting mid-major D1 offers. He'd be being offered by schools in the MAC and whatnot. But now it's so easy to transfer and be eligible right away. If you're a college coach, do you take a flyer on an 18-year-old who might work out, or do you go after a 20, 21-year-old who's been through Division One football already? And more often than not, you're going to take that guy that's been there before, um, Bryce Keller at Whitmer is another guy who I think probably is like that. He may well end up at a place like the University of Findlay or Lake Erie College over near Cleveland when five years ago he ends up in the MAC. Um, but back to Ben Ireland, it's speed. I mean, he is so fast. Not every guy that's fast is a good runner, if that makes sense. I've seen plenty of guys, and I'm sure you have too, that have great straight line speed but aren't slippery and aren't super coordinated, which um, might sound kind of odd, but... There's plenty of guys that are super fast that can't get out of their own way. Um, and he knows when to use that acceleration. He runs really good routes. He has great hands. It feels like I'm seeing spectacular Ben Ireland highlights fairly often <laughs> on social media. Um, yeah, really, really talented kid. And a well, true I'm deep threat that we don't see all the time. I'm envisioning a segment on BCSN. Maybe it's a game day thing like you like to do, um, you know, Rich Eisen style, you run a 40, he runs a 40 next to each other. You, you think that's something we can put together? <laughs> It'd take me about four minutes, I think. <laughs> he could do 440 and I could be four minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, no, I don't I don't like to humiliate myself publicly, which I totally would. <laughs> so probably not. The, the good thing is amongst our stable of BCSN commentators – most of them are more athletic than me. I think we have some guys that would be more than willing to do that. But, uh, yeah, maybe just have me up in the booth doing play-by-play of the guys running for <laughs> well, pitch it. Pitch it to your boss. Maybe there's an idea <laughs> yeah. there. Joe Caswell, yeah. another guy who runs pretty well at Anthony Wayne, a guy that you've seen this year as well. What do you like out of him? Uh, I think he's been the revelation in Toledo area football, especially among running backs this year. Last year it was Connor Wallenzak. Uh, when he was a sophomore at Perrysburg, he's going to play baseball at Purdue, and is he's a really talented kid. But Caswell played very little last year as a sophomore. I know he'd been banged up a bit. Started to come on towards the end of the season. He was behind a really good senior by the name of Charles Renninger. Um, and Caswell's come out. He doesn't necessarily run the way you expect him to because he's 6'1", uh, close to 200 pounds, I think. I don't have his measurables in front of me. Um, you're expecting a power guy, and he is quite powerful, but he has explosiveness that a lot of guys his size don't have. I mean, all he's done is put up crazy numbers this year. He's run for 25 touchdowns. He had three scores in the mud and the muck last week when they beat Cleveland Rhodes. Um, and 25 touchdowns in a season in which he hasn't had to play in a whole lot of second halves. Um, you know, Anthony Wayne, the last eight weeks, I think they have six shutouts. 
Um, you know, they were running away from teams in the, in the Northern Lakes League all the time. Um, so, you know, he's over 1,500 yards, probably close to 1,600, eight yards of carrying, 25 touchdowns. And, you know, if he were in a league that were a little bit more competitive, he'd be a 2,000-yard, 35-touchdown back. Um, it's hard to bring him down first time, too. If you're trying to tackle him one-on-one, you have lots of luck to you because he'll run through you. And if he can't run through you, he'll run around and away from you. And not every running back has it in them to do that, to run both ways. He can get outside or he can go between the tackle. Really talented kid. I really like watching him. And he's only a junior, so he's only going to get better from here as long as he can stay healthy. And in terms of a collective as well, Toledo Whitmer's offensive line has been a key cog. We, we spent a whole episode on Toledo Whitmer if you want to listen to that back here on State Champs. But Bryce Keller, really the leader of the line. Yeah, well, he's... Uh, I, I can't I can't call him his big brother. His older brother, Riley Keller, is uh, in the quarterback room at BGSU. He had a great career as Whitmer's four-year starter. Um, and Bryce is 6'5", 300 or whatever he is. And he's dropped 40 pounds from last year to now. He's, he's a really good fighting trim weight that he plays at. He's gotten a lot stronger. He's gotten quicker. He's a natural leader. His dad, Justin, is a longtime offensive football coach. Um so again, here's somebody, and, and we talked about him a few minutes ago a little bit, somebody that I think is a Division One talent. And hopefully Division One coaches in the area recognize that. I think I'm right in saying his offers are from D2 schools at the moment. He absolutely could play in, in Division One. Bowling Green has made a habit since Scott Leffler got there of recruiting kids from within 20 miles of BG, which Mike Jenks, the previous head coach who came from Texas Tech, made no effort to recruit the state of Ohio at all. I, I'm, I'm hoping that BG in particular goes in for him, with his brother already being there. And it's one of those things, what's a great way is still a relatively new head coach to endear yourself to coaches in the area, offer a bunch of local kids. I mean, that is a huge help. So I, I hope that's what ends up happening. And just about Whitmer for a moment, and I don't mean to jump too far ahead, they lost their best running back in game two, Stephen McCoy, who had transferred from St. Francis, um, and all they've done since then is play some absolutely outstanding beat-you-up football between Jalen Young and Teron Crawford, two guys that I, I'm sure you've heard about because they were discussed, I'm sure, on the Whitmer podcast. Um, their identity is is back to running the football with more than one guy. And the fact that they've lost Stephen McCoy and haven't missed a beat, to me, is one of the most remarkable things in this area for this high school football season that I'm not sure we're talking about enough. You know, that's a team that won one game last year and picked middle of the pack in their conference this year and to just demolish people the way they have to demolish a Finley team that has won, I think, six straight games since Whitmer blew them out in the middle of the season. It's really remarkable. Ken Winters and company, they've done a great job with that group. And you're right, it all is that offensive line. They lost an offensive lineman on the opening kickoff of the season, one of their starting tackles was celebrating the kickoff return and suffered a bad injury and never got to take the field. And so, again, they've replaced him with a sophomore named, um, last name of O'Brien, his first name is escaping me. Um, we'll fix it in post. Uh, <laughs> but they, they've been really, really good, really fun to watch this season. I've liked them an awful lot. And to your point, yeah, Bryce Keller has really led the way. 
And I guess that's a good transition point as well because Toledo St. John's has seen a similar bout in terms of losing just all those pieces from last year and losing one of their top pieces in the running back. Well, it was the first series, I think you told me, this year? Yeah, poor James Henry uh, blew his knee out on the road at Anthony Wayne in their first game. Um, they didn't open up the season until week two. They were supposed to play Toledo Wait week one, and Wait had some COVID trouble, and they couldn't go. Um, so, yeah, opening series, second or third play, um, a really good running back goes down. And like you said, they're already replacing one of the best high school quarterbacks I've ever seen, Brady Lichtenberg, who is now at Cincinnati and is redshirting there as a freshman and learning from some really talented guys. Thomas Zyrus is playing at Toledo now. Um, Jaden McKinstry is a great story in his own right, playing at Bowling Green. So that's a quarterback and two wide receivers, all of whom are super-duper talented. And then a bunch of the offensive line graduates, too, and you're kind of having to reinvent yourself. Um, They've had a heck of a time finding a running back at, at one point. I've not seen them in a little while, but at one point they moved a backup outside linebacker over to offense, and they were using him. David Coons was his name, and using him at running back just because they needed somebody. Um, which is why it was so surprising to me that they went on the road and upset Avon Lake last week. You know that, And Larry McDaniel, great coach at St. John's, longtime former college assistant, said afterwards, What's more fun than the 5-12 matchup in the first round of the NCAA tournament every year? There's always upsets. Why couldn't we do that too? And and to not only beat them, but beat them by three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I don't think many people would have seen that coming. I, I'll hold my hands up and say I didn't expect that either. What their issue has been this year with so many new people on the offense is that they've had a really tough time moving the football. Their defense has been very sound, but when you have to play defense for 35 minutes in a 48-minute football game, that's that's asking a lot of of that side of the football. Um, so they they moved some guys around. Julius Jackson, who's been a really good defensive back there for a few years now, um, he's seeing some time on offense and he's really flourishing there. Dalen Glaze is a is a track star, a sprinter who's playing football, and he's getting more time. So they're finding answers. Um, I, I'm not sure they're going to have a great week 12 because they got to go on the road and play Central Catholic, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, hats off to them for a really memorable upset last week to go. And Avon Lake is a really, really strong Northeast Ohio program. In fact, they came and beat Central Catholic in the, in the tournament last year in the playoffs. Um, so to go and take care of business and just demolish them in the way that they did, that was, that was really a spectacular and kind of surprising thing. Yeah, 43 to 13, the final score. You mentioned Julius Jackson as well. He had a 100 yard return for a touchdown, 6'2, 200 pound guy that can also play on the defensive side pretty well. But I guess centering back to their matchup this week as well, Toledo Central Catholic, 38 to 7 the first time around. You see any hope for Central Catholic to bounce back this week? I, th- I think if they do, I think they need big plays and they need them early. You know, Julius Jackson, you might take some shots with him downfield and hope for the best. Um, I think the trouble going up against Central Catholic and Greg Dempsey, have you had him on? We have not. Has he been on the podcast? We have not. um, Greg Dempsey is a phenomenal football coach and and a great man. Um, His teams, generally speaking, are built to make deep playoff runs. They've won a few state championships under him in the last 25 years or however long he's been there. Um, There have been a few years where I've covered Central fairly extensively and there's every now and again something that's not quite 
up to snuff. Maybe, maybe the passing game isn't super effective, or maybe, maybe maybe the secondary is just above average instead of phenomenal. Um, I look at the Central Catholic team, and I don't see a weakness. I don't see something you can really pick on. Um, I think coming into the year, the thinking was probably the offensive line won't be great because they're very young, but they're massive. They're physically massive, and they've they've taken to it really well. I think they average 280 pounds across the board or something like that. Um, they're big and they're strong, and they'll be together for the next couple of years because they've got some underclassmen that start. Ty Clark has stepped in uh, at quarterback and done tremendously well. Um, a big, tall, lanky lefty who can run a little bit. It helps that he's got two twins, the Lees, Josh and Sam, who are super athletic and sure-handed and are 6'6", 220 pounds. That helps. Even if you're not the most, um, if you're not the most accurate quarterback, and Ty Clark is a pretty accurate thrower. Uh, yeah, your margin of error is pretty big when you're throwing to a dude that's six foot six. Um, so they've got a good vertical passing game. Uh, they found a running game. That was maybe the issue at the start of this year was that they didn't run it as well as uh, as they would like to. Last year's running back, um, Prentice Reasonover, graduated. Is playing at Wayne State now, actually. Um, Starting running back got hurt after week six or so, and a guy named Chris Edmonds, who was a junior, stepped up and became the starting running back. And here's a guy who was maybe not as powerful as Josh Watson, who was the starter, but he's maybe a half step faster, I, I think, in my extremely uneducated opinion. Maybe a little bit faster than Josh was. Um, you'll appreciate this. We're play-by-play -play guys, and we love weird statistical quirks, right? Chris Edmonds... His uh, rushing yardage has improved every game this year. Hmm. Interesting. And I don't know. I just think that's – and I've got it pulled up right now, actually. 14 to 19 to 50 to 62 to 65 to 122 to 123 to 140 to 147. That sounds like a bar graph graphic or something. <laughs> I don't know. I just I thought that was neat. I felt it. Um, so, so I think he's made them better since he stepped into that starting running back role. Defensively, they – you can set your watch to the way Central Catholic will play defense. They play a 3-4. They've always got three big, strong, nasty dudes on the defensive line and then four super athletic, super aggressive linebackers. They, they blitz. They are so fast and so physical that if you're a quarterback, before you know it, uh, you've got four guys pile-driving you into the turf, and all of a sudden it's second and 21, and you're thinking, how did that happen? I was at the line four seconds ago. Um <laughs> And, and their secondary is really good. Davion Greer is a player I really like who plays as um, – he's like an extra safety, and he's always down. Um, he's very good in, in run defense. He can drop back and pick off passes. It's a really, really good football team. Peyton Reason over Prentice's younger brother is a lockdown six-foot-two corner. Um, they're a really good, really fun-to-watch football team. Um, St. John's, back to the question you asked initially, St. John's can't afford to get behind early. Um, the way Central Catholic has always played, they are built to force turnovers, score quickly, and again, before you can even take a glance at the scoreboard, you're down by two touchdowns, and you're wondering, how on earth did they do that? So if, if St. John's is going to have any hope of pulling off an upset, they need to hang around early in this game because you're not going to come back against a central Catholic defense in particular. But if they can break a big play early, if they can have success on a long special teams return, if they can 
go deep to one of their receivers, whether it's Tommy Gallagher, Braden DeGroff, or or Juice Jackson, like we were talking about, then then they can hang around. And in the playoffs, as you know, if you can hang around, you're in it. Because weird stuff always happens once you get to November football. And kind of wrapping things up with the game you'll be covering this week, Finley and Dublin Kaufman. Some interesting stories, you know, between those two teams. Finley, you know, a really nice offense like we've talked about, some great pieces there. But Kaufman coming off an upset of Hail Mary last week to go with uh, two fake punts that uh, Max Roth converted. That's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I probably should have saved all the aggressiveness chatter for Finley instead of wasting it all on <laughs> Central Catholic. Uh, yeah, to pull off two fake punts, so coaches talk about winning – the special teams battle all the time. Well, they had two fake punts that they successfully converted, and they blocked a field goal that would have given Miamisburg a lead lead as well. Always nice when you have a six foot nine offensive lineman that you can go out to try and block a kick, <laughs> which uh, Razik Crutcher did, which was pretty cool. Actually, Finley, the left side of their offensive line, I think it's the left side, six nine and six eight, which is the tallest uh, high school line I've ever seen. Um, so we were talking about Ryan Montgomery earlier. This is a Finley team that on their six-game winning streak, they're averaging 40 points a game. So they are putting up some seriously impressive numbers. That vertical passing game of theirs is really something with Ben Ireland and the Roths, and, and their defense is, is good enough. Um, Finley's not going to win games 10-7, to 7, um, or even 5-2, to 2, which is a game I saw a few <laughs> weeks ago, actually, between Ottawa Hills and Northwood. Um, they're built to outscore teams, um, which as a commentator is fun because you're going to see Finley play with kind of that gunslinger mentality, um, which I really enjoy watching. Um, the thing for Dublin Kaufman is that there are lots and lots of, to use a college basketball analogy again, lots of teams, 5-12 game, the 4-13 game, teams that win on a Thursday in that early session, and then you got to turn around and not let the emotion of that beat you again playing on Saturday. Um, so the, the UMBCs and the Middle Tennessees of years past, they were the 15th seed and beat Michigan State, and, and Oral Roberts um, last year, that's not something that's super common, pulling off more than one major upset in a row. Um, Dublin Kaufman's got a real good quarterback, a big kid named Mason Maggs, who's 6'3", 210, um, can can really run the football. They've got three running backs that they can use, um, all of whom are a little bit different. They've got a D lineman named Will Smith who's got offers from places like West Virginia and Duke. Um, so so he's he's a big time recruit. A big kid, still only a junior, um, but it's tough emotionally to pull off two big upsets in a row. Especially, it's one thing to upset a good team. And Huber Heights Wayne, whom they beat last week, he is a good football team. It's another to beat them on a Hail Mary with no time left. Like, that is just a huge eruption of emotion, and you've got to find a way to reel that back in. Um, Garen Stokes, their coach, knows a lot of success. He was at Minster, which is a great small school program, and now is coaching at the, at the D1 level. So he knows what it's like to win into November, um, and he's going to have to remind his players of what that's like. Kaufman has had great success in the last 12 years or so. I think they've made the playoffs every year since 2008 or something like that, the Shamrocks. Um, very solid program, having a, a bit of a down year by their standards. They're only 4-7 and seven going into Week 12. Um, having said all of that, you're trying to bottle that emotion up again, and not to go back to this well, but weird stuff happens in November high school football. I 
who knows? I, I would think it's a game that Finley very much can win. Um, whether they will or not, I don't know. It's it's tough to pull off big upsets back-to-back weeks. But uh, I don't know. I'm actually I'm talking to Garen Stokes, their head coach, tomorrow morning. I almost wish we were doing this podcast tomorrow <laughs> and could speak more intelligently about them. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a really interesting game. Donnell Stadium is a great place to call a game. Um, it's always well catered there, and the sight lines are really good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's, that's always a big thing, certainly in high school football as well. Mason, we thank you so much for joining us here today and for your help uh, you know, trying to track down some contacts throughout the year for the podcast. And best of luck uh, in this game and the rest of the season. As always, have fun out there. Thanks, man. You too. Thanks for having me. One more thank you to our presenting sponsor today, Lawrence Technological University. You can recruit yourself at ltuathletics.com. Again, that's ltuathletics.com. A quick shout-out to Toledo Christian. Back in 2019, they converted over to eight-man and won their division this year. So going full circle for them, I'm sure we'll see a few more teams join eight-man and maybe even haven't sanctioned in the OHSA. That would be a cool thing for all those schools and I'm sure it would attract some more teams overall as well. Hope you have a good week. We will see you next time.